Hello everyone, I'm Remy. I'm Lucas. And I'm Casey. Welcome back to day seven of the Day Ones Discourse. Heck yeah, guys. It's good to be back. For our uh, for our listeners out there, I just want to quickly apologize on my behalf. Um, we've been having some technical difficulties trying to get the podcast all orchestrated while I'm up at U of I, so... Um, yeah, it's Lucas's fault. So yeah, it's one hundred percent Lucas's fault. Uh, Casey and I could have recorded a hundred podcasts in this amount of time. Honestly, probably <laughs> true, guys. <laughs> yeah. It's... All right. So, so what are we what are we talking about today? Um, today I think we're gonna be talking about music. Just kind of um, our thoughts on what makes good artists and kind of like what drives us to listen to music and those kind of things. So, yeah, is that good with Great you guys? Topic. Cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. Good stuff. Well, I guess to kind of kick things right off, um, I want to ask both of you guys just right off the bat, um, kind of what makes a good artist in your opinion and like what differentiates them from someone that you wouldn't ordinarily listen to? Um, honestly, what makes a good artist is consistently good music, and it's really hard to define good music for me. Um, but it's I I love a lot of different songs from a lot of different artists, but there's a few artists I absolutely love, and it's when they can release multiple albums with multiple good songs in each album, and I can listen to an entire album and not get tired of what I'm listening to. I guess. Oh, yeah. No, I, I completely agree with that, dude. Like, it's all about repeatability for me, I think. Like, just being able to listen to their songs over and over without getting super tired of them immediately, I think is really important. Yeah, I think I think the best example for at least me and probably most of us, or all three of us, but uh, it's probably Quinn92 who does oh, that yes. the best. Yes! And, he, he has consistently just improved upon each of his previous albums. Yeah, I agree with that. And EPs and singles or whatever he's released. And it, it makes me a little nervous for his next album just because from what I've seen among a lot of artists that I like, it usually goes like they have a killer first debut album just so good and then yeah. their second one, you're, you're like, how, how can they top it? Yeah. And then they do... And then they get to their third album and it's just kind of a letdown from the past. Two. Or they try to like mix things up and go a completely different direction. And you're like, um, that's definitely not what I started listening to you for and kind of like what draws me in, you know? Yeah, totally. That's, that's really true. Um, and with Quinn 92, the cool thing is not only is he like really good at making a certain genre of music, but he has variability in that genre, which I think is cool. Oh, 100%. So, if he did go in opposite direction, like you were just saying, I think it would kind of really kill his vibe. And then mm. I don't, I don't know. I agree with Casey. The third album might not be as good as we want it to be. Yeah, unfortunately. Did you guys? Okay, separate kind of side note. Did you guys see that he posted on Instagram that picture? And he was like, "If this if this photo gets thirty five thousand likes, then this will be the next album cover." <laughs> Yeah, and, and, the, was, and he was that dude was holding that jewel. Yeah, it was just the <laughs> yeah, guy in the jewel. That. Yeah, that really crappy selfie. I honest, I really hope that that is the third album cover. I think that would be there's so no funny. Way, no, there's yeah, no way. There's like no way. he'll keep up his aesthetic, like of just you know him behind a table or something like that. But yeah, I I think if he changed his aesthetic, it would really kill the vibe of the third album. 
Yeah, I agree. Honestly, it's kind of funny sometimes how much like cover art of albums can play into my effect or like kind of my perception of the album, you know? Like all of Quinn's cover art is so just iconic and unique to him that whenever I see like a teaser for his next single or something along those lines and it's got the classic like Quinn 92 kind of look to it, it it gets me so much more excited for like the song that I think I I normally would be if it was something, you know, kind of out of character from what he like normally produces. Oh yeah, cuz it it kind of it kind of draws on that consistency that he's had throughout all of the songs that he's released and I it kind of builds on like a familiarity that all oh, these songs have been so good. This is going to be this is going to be really good. Dude, I could literally spend this entire podcast talking about Quinn 92. You guys know I yeah. would. <laughs> we know. He, Lucas has been to uh, several of their concerts, so it's uh, not a surprise that he's he's a bigger fan than Casey and I are. Bro, all the way, man. All the way. All righty. Next question for you guys. Um, what? So this was a fun one, actually. Um, and it came up in... Uh, and just this list that I was looking at of like good kind of podcasting questions to do with music. Um, and it was like, what do you guys think separates like a really good concert from a really bad concert? I'll let Remy take this away. Cause I haven't been to many concerts. So, um, I've been to a lot of concerts and I think personally, the biggest kind of thing is stage presence because when you're in a crowd and you're watching one of your favorite bands or even just a band you've never seen before, and they're kind of all just standing in the same place, not a whole lot of energy up there, not a whole lot going on. And you're just like, I really can't get all that much hyped about this, even if they're playing your favorite song or anything, unless it's a specifically slow song. But even if it's a slow song, they can still have a slow energy behind them. And if they don't have that presence and they don't have anything kind of backing them up, I honestly just get really bored at a concert. Yeah, I completely agree. I think even like sometimes... I'll go to a concert and then I'll be super excited for the actual main band. Um, and then I end up just completely losing myself in like, say the opener. Cause the opener doesn't like, they still have kind of something to prove in terms of um, like, we're not then headlining a concert or something like that. So I feel like sometimes the openers can be really cool in terms of like, they will, you know, have that stage presence that you're talking about. They'll be jumping up and around the stage because they're just excited to kind of be out there. Um, opposed to sometimes you can see that, like, you know, the headlining act will kind of be lackadaisical sometimes. So, yeah. Um, actually, when um, Casey and I and uh, a few of our friends went to a Young the Giant concert, there was this opener who was like an experimental band. And we're like, uh, initially, we're like, these guys are really weird. Like, who was it? I don't know. If, I had no idea uh, yeah. what they were, what they were called, and I re- kind of regret because I, I actually really enjoyed it. But they were just super experimental and kind of weird. Weird. But I found myself really falling in love with it, be- just because they were so good at drawing the crowd and so. And I could tell very few people in the crowd knew who they were, but they still got the crowd going. And Young the Giant was really good too, but they didn't overshadow their opener. Yeah, it it was definitely definitely a completely different experience moving from that band to Young the Giant, and it was a whole different vibe too. So it is hard to kind of compare them, but the fact that they did so well, just getting the crowd going and get every, getting everyone like pumped up, kind of 
made Young the Giant look a little less, I don't know, a little less entertaining. It it just wasn't, it wasn't the same, but uh, it was good nonetheless. Yeah, I feel you. Alrighty, I think we've kind of exhausted that one. Um, So, considering that both, I guess we should probably put a disclaimer out there as well um, for like the listeners that we all kind of have like you could say like a niche kind of genre that we like to listen to for music um, in terms of like alternative and that kind of stuff. So you, you might just like disregard this whole thing in terms of this may not be kind of your same views on genres and stuff that makes good music. Um, but don't but, because it's the best music ever. But yeah, <laughs> duh, because it is the best music ever. Yeah, yeah. Casey is definitely the most uh, specialized out of all of us. He has a very narrower view than Lucas and I do on oh, favorite yeah. music. So yeah, Casey is very niche about all of his stuff. It was it, it was weird because there was like a point in time where I wasn't really picky about my music, and then all of a sudden, once I got Apple Music for the first time, shout it, out Apple Music. <laughs> yeah. The, not a sponsor, by the way. Just love that. Yeah, yeah, we just like him. <laughs> but yeah, once a once I finally had access to so much music, I finally like got super picky with everything that I was listening to. So yeah. that was actually going to be one of the next questions. Was do you guys think that the the presence of now basically basically like unlimited kind of all access streaming? Um, has made it easier for people to find music and find their little genres that they like, opposed to back when you used to have to buy songs, like a dollar twenty nine on Apple or something like that. I think that the community in music is getting a lot larger, and you see that as well, especially in Boise. You go downtown, and some like weekends and some even some weeknights, you'll go into like a coffee shop or you'll go into something, and there'll be a band playing, like a local band. And it, you know, you go into LA or the bigger cities, and that's happening everywhere. And people can just walk in and listen to new music and stuff like that and discover stuff. And I'm sure that was a kind of a big thing earlier on too, but I didn't really notice it as much. And I think the whole music scene is becoming more prevalent today and stuff with um, Spotify and um, Apple music and Amazon music and all this stuff that offers more availability I think it gives people a broader sense of what they can enjoy and I actually think it causes people to get more um, niche into their what they like and not expand as much as they would if they had limited music what do you think Case? I can I can kind of agree with that but the fact that there is so much music out there now that's super easy to get access to I've met plenty of people that have like taken advantage of that and really like a lot of different types of music. And probably the the person that's the best example for this was my roommate back in San Diego. And I I have never met anyone who listens to such a wide range of different kinds of music than he does. Shout out Nick Warden. Miss you, <laughs> but uh, it's the it depends on the person. There's a lot of some people like having these music platforms, uh, these streaming platforms to find any kind of music, anything at all, and then some people use it to their advantage to find these, like you said, super niche things, super specific 
kinds of music, specific genres. And I think it's cool that people just have the chance to do anything like that. Whereas before it was like, oh, you got to pirate a song, burn it onto a DVD, or you got to record it onto a cassette or just listen on the radio. So I just, I think the changing technology has definitely shaped how people interact with music. I think it's so much better, honestly, just like thinking about how like we've come so far in terms of music availability. Like if you think about it back when our parents were growing up, um, kind of their only source of music was um, like either you'd go to record stores or something like that, or you'd be listening to the radio. And now we just have like on our phones at all times, um, basically access to unlimited music. That's just so cool. Like to think about the fact that now we don't have to pay for, you know, a dollar 99 or a dollar 29 to go buy a song or something like that, that we can just automatically download it onto our library. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool that we have that unlimited music access. And I remember when I was younger, I'd, I'd be, you know, taking my dad's library and he'd be paying, you know, 10 bucks for an entire album or 15 bucks for an entire album. And now I'm paying, you know, the $5 student discount for Apple music. And I have unlimited albums, unlimited songs, for five bucks a month is crazy i feel you Alrighty, next one so what do you guys think um kind of makes the the perfect album like what in your mind creates like a perfect album not necessarily the perfect album in terms of like it has to be this genre or that but just like what kind of characteristics really differentiate like a really good album from a really bad one I like an album that can tell me a story and it could be the entire album tells the same story and it just continues song after song or the album has many different stories in it but kind of from the same perspective because I think there should be something that holds an album together. You can't just record a bunch of music and throw it into an album if there's not some defining feature in all of them. And I think you need to have a defining feature that's something that brings them all together and makes it so that you can hit shuffle or you can listen from top to bottom or from bottom to top, and it still is the same album. Also, I want to point out my personal opinion. Anyone who listens to albums for the first time on shuffle, opposed to listening to it through the track method, is a psychopath. Insane. Literally insane. I am so adamant about this. And that's something that, like, I'm not going to lie. I've had this conversation before with guys in my fraternity and it, it, like I'm one of the only people that I've met that like is very firm on this stance, which is so weird to me because it's like for Remy's exact reason, artists put songs in the order that they are for a specific reason. So I think you're, you're like, you lose out on such a like monumental part of the album by not listening to it as it was kind of intended to flow. Also, anyone that listens to a song just the first 30 seconds then skips it because they don't like it is a psychopath and you should give a song a chance. True enough. Yeah, very fair. Yeah, when when it comes to albums, I personally really like just a consistent sound throughout it. Not not necessarily like the same, but um, having a similarity, like a connecting element that brings each song together because there have been 
albums I've listened to in the past where you're listening to a song and then it'll completely switch just like tempo, sound, instruments, everything is just completely different and it kind of throws you for a loop and you're like, wait, am, am I listening to the same album? Is this, is this the same thing? And I, personally, I don't like that very much. I, I, get, I get having variation in an album in your songs, but I also think that having a connecting element, whether it be an instrument or um, like background vocals, something that is similar between the two, or at least flows throughout the album can make it a lot better. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. I think one thing that I don't like in albums is sometimes when you can tell an artist like definitely just wanted to boost their track count and then they just put in kind of like a filler song that's just not consistent with kind of the feel of the rest of the album or doesn't necessarily have like the same kind of like emotional drawing or something along those lines you know you know one where it just like it obviously doesn't fit with the rest of the album i hate it when artists will just throw in an extra song just to create like a bigger track list like that's so annoying i cannot stand when artists have tracks where they're just talking where that where they'll have like an basically an interlude where it's they're just like telling a story or just talking and i think the best example for this that i came across um I don't know if either of you, you've probably heard of Grace and Chance. Mm-hmm. So he recently came out with a new album. Yeah. And when I was listening to it for the first time and going through it, I think there there's either two or three songs. Oh, that's the one with talking. the black cover, right? Yeah. Yeah, where dude, I, I completely portraits, feel yeah. that. Yep. Yeah. He's where he just talks. And I was listening to this. We were we were on our way to BMP Paribas, no flex, but... Uh, Oh my god. We <laughs> we we were listening to it and then those songs came on and I was like what is this? Yeah. And I know Remy doesn't like it but we skipped every single one of them cuz we just we couldn't handle it. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel that. In that case, yeah, it makes sense if you know you're not going to like the song because of the, the defining feature of the song. Sure, it's okay to skip, but if it's just a song you're like eh and then skip it, I don't know. But conversely <laughs> oh, uh, I was just going to say, conversely, I think it is so awesome sometimes when like more folky or, or like alternative um, albums will include a uh, an instrumental track. That's literally what, the, like, what I was about to say. Dude, yes. To boost like, just the like aesthetic of the album. Oh, it's yeah, so nice. So two of my favorite albums, The Weatherman by Gregory Alan Isakov yes, and Cleopatra by The Lumineers. Yeah. Um, California Open Back by Gregory Alan Isakov yep. and Patience by The Lumineers are two of my favorite instrumental songs of all time. And their albums are both incredible as well. And mm. I think those two songs were so well done in them. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, final question for you guys. Just a quick question. Best instrument to have in a song, go. Oh my god, synth. Synth, really interesting. A really well placed cello. Okay, fair enough. Synth is just pretty general, but synth. (laughs) Yeah, I would say honestly, in my opinion, um, if it comes to any like alternative or folk music, Mm -hmm. a really well done like charismatic mandolin, dude. Like anything, anything from like Gregory where he includes the mandolin in his songs. I just Lumineers. I go nuts for it. Oh my gosh! The dude. Lumineers, the masters yeah. of the mandolin. Oh, yeah, also, Charlie boy. <laughs> so ban- true. Also banjos. I would have to do banjos yes. a close second. Hundred yeah. percent. I think a 
piano and acoustic p- uh, or an acoustic guitar are um, close seconds for me. They're oh, yeah. all they're all great. <laughs> all yeah. instruments are great. Just every <laughs> single instrument. I completely agree. Alrighty, now we're coming to our final segment. Um, three uh, song recommendations for the week. What do you guys got? Um, for me, it's going to be Park Bench by Valley. Um, I've been nonstop listening to it, and I think it's an amazing song. Uh, for me, I'm probably going to have to go with uh, White Noise by Floor, F-L-O-R, if you want to oh, look okay. it up. Super good. Really like it. Yeah. All righty. And then mine is going to be Weather by Novo Moore. Um, just a really nice kind of um, contemplative song to listen to while you're driving. So. Alrighty, I think that wraps up kind of this episode for the week, guys. Do you guys have anything else? Uh, just want to do a quick throw out of our social media. We've cut back. We're just doing Instagram now. Kind of didn't see the point of Facebook or Twitter, so now it's just solely the Day Ones discourse on Instagram. If you want to hit us up, message us, anything, we'll we'll be on that. So, heck yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. See ya.